Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. Good morning. It is Monday, February 19th, and this is Blake Wilson, Lifeline's Vice President of Operations. Um, glad to be back with you guys this morning, and we're going to continue the study in 1 Corinthians today, looking at chapter 10, verses 1 through 22. Um, and really, this passage is, is a reminder um, for the Church of Corinth to not forget um, their past, to not forget what they knew um, from their ancestors. You know, and I think we're all very easily tempted to forget what has happened in our past and to not learn from maybe mistakes of things that have happened or things that we have experienced or things we have saw others experience or maybe even stories that have been told um, and, and how that has impacted people negatively or positively. And we just can we can easily go down the path of making the same mistake um, or, or following the, the examples of those uh, before us when we should know better. And this is what Paul is telling the the believers in Corinth. Um, they had entered into a season of really um, just, I want to say loose beliefs. You know, they, they were not really concerned with their interactions with pagans or um, idol worship. And it's not so much that they were worshiping idols. They believed in the one true God but their um, their behaviors were not following um, expectations. They were participating in eating eating the meat that were sacrificed to idols. And in their response, it was like we we know there's one true God. So what's the what's the big deal? You know, we're not we are not sacrificing to an idol. You know, we um, we're not worshiping another idol. We're just eating this food that somebody was giving to a fake God. So what's, you know, what's the matter? And what Paul is trying to teach them here is it is, it is a big deal because you are, you're kind of crossing that line and your toe is in the sand of, of, um, almost of, of disbelief or, um, stepping over into, um, sin and, and following, the uh, examples of those who are not believers. So he is really trying to remind them in this passage in first Corinthians of let's not forget what happened to the children of Israel. He starts off in this passage, reflecting on the Exodus and reflecting on how the Lord provided. And ultimately, even in that season, these people fell away. So let's learn from the children of Israel. Let's learn from our ancestors and let's make wise decisions Let's not ride the fence um, of idolatry. Um, let's stay fully committed to Christ in everything that we do. Let's let's see how close we can get to Jesus instead of riding the fence and saying, well, it, you know, it, it's OK. I'm still a believer. This is this behavior may be questionable, but it's not an outright sin. And he is reminding them to say, let's be as close to the cross as we can possibly be. Let's follow him. Let's mirror our lives after Jesus. 
And this is where he starts in verse number one. He says, for I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized in the Moses, in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate of the same spiritual food and drank of the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. And that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. In these first five verses, you see a lot of examples and reminders of what happened with the children of Israel in this season. He tells them that they were guided by the cloud. You guys remember that in the Exodus, we saw that God provided a cloud for them. There was a cloud that led them by day, and then there was a fire by night that guided them. They also um, ran and passed through the Red Sea. We saw the sea part, and they part. They walked through on that dry ground. You think about how much the children of Israel had a direct experience of the Lord's miracles. You know, he once they crossed the Red Sea and they were in the wilderness— he provided food for them. And this is where he, they ate spiritual food. There was manna on the ground. Every day they woke up, there was food for them. It was provided by the Heavenly Father. When they were thirsty, water came from the rock. They were able to drink from the rock. They had everything that they needed with food and with the drink. And it was all from Jesus. But verse 5 says, nevertheless... God was not pleased with them. They fell away, even though they had everything in front of them to prepare them of what they needed for survival and to be reminded of the goodness of God, that he was going to take care of them. It was these experiences that should have been very evident in their in their life that God is real. God is God is caring for them. God is um, preparing a place for them. And this is very similar to what the church of Corinth was dealing with. They were falling away. They, they were forgetting about what was right in front of them, about how the Lord had prepared. Remember, this is right after the death and, uh, death and resurrection of Jesus. So there were people probably still living in this season that had um, seen Jesus, that had walked with Jesus, um, that had heard of his teachings and seen him teach physically on this earth. But yet they were they were falling away. Um, from what the Lord had called him to do. So he is giving them this warning. He's flashing this light to say, let's, let's stop. Let's remember what happened and remember all of these people who were scattered in the wilderness. Matter of fact, the, you know, the Bible tells us in numbers that 600,000 people, six, I'm sorry, 600,000 men um, left Egypt. That's not counting women and children. So estimates tell us that it was upward of 2 million people that left but when you get um, further on in Scripture and, and you see them actually enter the promised land, there were only two men from that generation that entered the promised land. Two out of two million. So you can see how many people um, fell away, how many people um, that God killed from idolatrous worship. You know, it, it tells us um, in a few minutes how many people died? Twenty three thousand. We'll read in verse eight um, that the Lord that the Lord killed. So think about what they saw. But yet, even with the clear signs and and strength and love and vision from the Lord, they still fell away. And He's warning the Church of Corinth to not do it. Verse six says, "Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting their hearts on evil things as they did." 
do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up indulge in, in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed and destroyed by the angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us. All Paul is doing is just recounting scripture. Let's learn from our past. Let's learn from our ancestors. Let's learn from these early believers and, and, and where they fell short. And let's, let's apply that to our lives. Let's learn from those mistakes so that we don't fall away. Let's, let's make sure we stay committed um, and, and are completely obedient to God. In verse 12, he continues and says, so if you think that you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. It's a very direct verse, number 12, that is just a warning to say, you, you need to be very careful. You think that, um, that eating this food and eating these sacrifices, even though we all agree there's only one true God, you think you're standing firm, you better be careful. Be careful not to fall because you are playing with fire. No temptation, verse 13, has overtaken you except that um, what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he will allow a way out so that you can endure it. God is faithful. And when you feel that you're overwhelmed, he will provide a way out. Remember your past. Remember those examples and be obedient to his calling upon your life. Let's learn from the scriptures. He goes on and, and dives a little bit deeper in verses 14 through 22. And this is where he's, he's diving into idol feast in the Lord's Supper. He's really diving. He, this is the core issue in this passage that he is addressing. So he's, therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. He's saying, you, you know what's right and wrong. Like you have your head, you have your head on straight. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. You, you have common sense. Listen up. Verse 16, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body. For we all share the one loaf. Consider the people of Israel. All right. So he's reflecting back. He's saying, let's remember um, the children of Israel in verse 18. Do not those who eat the sacrifice participate in the altar? Do I mean then that the food sacrificed to an idol is anything or that an idol is anything? No. But the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he? It's just another reminder to say, what are you doing? Why are you guys playing playing with this? Why are, why are you trying to um, abide in Jesus 
and abide in his truths, but also um, participate with demons. You can't have both. You have to pick who you're going to follow. It can't be Satan and Jesus. You can't drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You can't take part in his table and the table of demons. The Lord will not put up with it. And we saw this in the very beginning. We saw what happened when 23,000 were struck down for sexual immorality. We saw many, many die for numerous reasons throughout um, the Exodus and throughout the 40 years in the wilderness because of the Lord's jealousy. He wasn't going to put up with them with intermarriage, with um, with idol worship. These were things that were warnings. And as you read this, I think it's so applicable for us even today to think about what are those things that we are putting priority over our walk, over our walk in relationship with Jesus. There are so many things that we can um, worship. There are so many things that we can really downplay and say it's not a big deal. You know, it's 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 not a sin. We're just you know maybe it's 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 taking advantage of grace. And it's not to say, don't hear me say that this is a works-based salvation. That is not at all what I'm what I'm saying. But we have to be careful not to abuse grace and make excuses for our behaviors. Our heart and our goal and our aim should be to to um, mirror our lives as closely as possible to that of Jesus Christ. And Paul's encouragement to the Church of Corinth is just that: let's let's model our lives and and mimic. Um, our Savior's time on earth as closely as possible. Let's be wholehearted disciples of Jesus Christ. You know, 1 John chapter 1 says this in verses 5 and 6. He says, This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. God is light and in him there's no darkness. So we can't we can't say we are followers of the way, but yet participate in idol sacrifice. We can't say that we have fellowship with him, but yet um, partake in um, in traditions that are aimed toward idol worship. He says we we are lying. He says we lie. And we do not practice truth. He is saying you are a liar. So we got to remember this um, as, as even we continue on in our faith journey um, in, in, this, um, in this current season. And then 1 John continues in chapter 2. Um, and verse number 6 says this. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. It's very clear that the, that the, the Lord's desire for us is to abide in him, to walk in him, mirror our lives after him. And I think the end of the day, the question is, are you walking with Jesus? You know, this is what Paul was telling the church of Corinth. Are you? Are you walking with Jesus? Because it doesn't appear that you are. And let me, as, as your teacher, try to redirect your path. Your behaviors are not matching up with what you say you are. 
You know, and I think we all need people in our lives like that to call us out. We all need people in our lives to bring accountability. We need people in our lives to let us know when we're getting off track so that we can, um, that we can be guided in, in a way that the Lord has called us to be. So this is what Paul's doing. It's, it's a healthy rebuke um, for the church of Corinth um, to get them on track. So let's just evaluate our own lives uh, this week. What are those ways that maybe we are, we are trying to, um, trying to test the limits, you know, trying to push, push it too far and let's redirect our hearts and, and our desires um, to be exactly what the Lord um, wants us to be. And that is as close to him as possible. You know, today, as we close out, we're going to pray for Costa Rica. We're going to pray for our team, um, pray for our team here in the, in the States, as well as our in-country team. Um, and then also just pray for the government. You know, we, even in the U S um, you know, I don't think we pause enough and pray for our governmental leaders um, because that impacts so much of, of what we do day in and day out and how it impacts our families um, and how much it impacts lifeline. So let's close out our time today, praying specifically for um, the country of Costa Rica and that the Lord will just make himself known. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for um, this word. And God, I pray that we are able to um, apply it. God, that we are able to um, reflect on it and really assess the interchambers of our heart to know what you have called us to do or to identify those those areas of our life that are off track. Um, and Lord, may we just may we readjust. God, I pray that we all have the pause in our life to um, to speak truth into us, to identify those those blind spots in our hearts. Um, Lord, to help us uh, strengthen our relationship and draw closer to you. God, I pray for um, Costa Rica and for our team here. Um, in the states that are working so hard to serve families. Um, Lord, just being the liaison back and forth to the country and our staff on the ground there, as well as the government, God, just give them encouragement. Um, Lord, just give them strength and knowledge and wisdom as they lead in these areas. God, I pray for these families that are in process as well, for the new ones that will apply this year. Um, God, just give them uh, direction and discernment um, as to when um, to apply and what those steps look like as they wait. Um, God, just give them peace in the waiting. God, I pray for our in-country team and our representatives there. Um, Lord, may they feel supported as we continue to, to, to pray for them and to advocate for them. God, the Lord, just give them an extra dose of, of grace as they advocate for the children on the ground. Lord, many of them interact consistently with these children, see them, assess them, um, so, Lord, let's pray for encouragement. Lord, give them grace um, and energy as they advocate for these kids there in Costa Rica, God. And I pray for the central authority, Pawnee. Um, and God, I pray that um, the decisions they make are truly in the best interest of children. Lord, I pray that you show our ministry favor as we work with them, God, and may that relationship strengthen. Lord, may we see more availability of children. Lord, processes are expedited. And Lord, just favor for Lifeline where we can see more of these children placed in Christian homes. So God, we, we celebrate your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you for your truth and for your word. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. 
Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study. Music